Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. On the outside, I'm happy-go-lucky. On the inside, I'm a tortured soul, a man-child. My goal is to get you to retirement. Hopefully. Cut down on some of the mistakes, some of the assumptions that we all make. That's the idea. Try to share with you, you know, the biggest mistakes you, if you cut out the mistakes, you do well. And, but that also sometimes means that you have to play to pay. One mistake could be doing nothing. So now here I am saying like, don't make mistakes. But I'm also saying, you got to get around and walk around and and put yourself in danger. Like, Right? And danger in the world it comes of, like, your college career. I mean, that's where it all starts for me on this show, is what sort of career do you have? How much money do you earn? Because it's going to be finite. If, let's say, you earn $100,000 a year for 10 years, what do you make? A million? Times four? You work for 40 years, that's $4 million, And you're done. So at some point in time, you have to use that $4 million to play. You have to get in the game. You got to get some real estate. You got to get some stocks. You got to get some bonds. You got some retirement products. You also have to vacation so that you don't come to the end of summer and go, I need a vacation. But wait, wait, summer just ended. So I like learning as I go along for sure. And I think when you're 25 years old, that's the time to be a professional investor. And oftentimes I'll say things along the lines of like, you can make some mistakes in your 20s. Like, wait till you're 30 to get married. And I shouldn't tell people when to get married. I'm just saying, like, I see a lot of financial mistakes of people getting married. So I'm just trying to say, slow it down there, bucko. 52% of the world's market capitalization is tied up in global investing. And yet a lot of people only invest in companies that they know. So a lot of things, sometimes you have to get outside your comfort zone. One of the areas which is a comfort zone for people is how much you're going to spend on real estate. One of the areas that I've seen people make mistakes on is that they could go, I'm going to wait for it to come down. Same, same freaking thing with Amazon, right? I'm going to wait for a correction. Next correction, I'm going to buy it. And then what happens? You don't buy it. You, you, you think it's going to go lower. And suddenly, like, people are losing their jobs. And you're like, I'm going to hold on to my cash. Same thing with real estate. Sometimes you just got to buy to buy. And, 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 but then you have to be careful because there's different types of real estate. There's property living, which I think is a great idea. Even if it's expensive, because rentals are going to be expensive, right? They kind of go hand in hand. If you're going to be in that property five, seven, ten years, biggest mistake one of my friends made was not buying a house when he moved to the Bay Area 15 years ago because he thought they were too expensive because he came from an area where they were less expensive. Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Good morning. Good morning. You see procrastination as a a big letter P that uh, people <laughs> yeah, start a letter, so to speak. Yeah, unfortunately, we see it quite often. Uh, on the mortgage side, where I primarily work, it, we'll see a buyer get pre-approved, and then in six months later, you never hear from them. 
Um, they're discouraged with the prices, discouraged. You know, it could be they can't save enough down payment or every house they look at is they're getting overbid on um, or outbid on. So there are people who aren't just sitting on the sideline. They're actually active, but they can't buy. Uh, and maybe that's part of the 44% or whatever that number was of people who decide that they're going to move out of the Bay Area or want to because of that. Um, yeah, but we do see that quite often. I mean, you see it all the sure. time. I, but it's kind of interesting. You know, sometimes procrastination is fine, but it can get you into a, a problem where you can, you know, you're waiting for that next big thing to happen and it never happens. Or when it does happen, you're too scared to do it. So it's, to be successful as an investor, whether it be in real estate or in, in the stock market, you really just have to have not like cold ice nerves, or you just, or maybe like mine. Well, the, just other, never the other half, in the first place. The other half of that as well is having a good realtor or, or professional, whatever you want to call it, to help you. Uh, I've, I've worked with clients before that are working with realtors that I just flat out I don't think they know what they're doing because they're going five, six, seven offers and they aren't getting their offer accepted. Meanwhile, that pri- that house is going or that equivalent house is going up. Five ten thousand dollars a month, and that means they have to come up with five or ten thousand dollars a month more every time they don't get their offer accepted, and that's a, that's more tragic that they they should have just put the best offer in or the gone straight to the listing agent and said, "How much do I need to offer on this house to buy it?" Um, and then there's people that are sitting on the sidelines and and they they feel like they're missing out. Um, I I encourage people to start thinking about real estate early because. There are places in the United States and in California that you can't afford uh, a decent property, and you don't actually have to live in them. You were talking about there are different types of real estate uh-huh. you can own. You don't have to own the the property that you live in, but you can own real estate. So you have to kind of think out of the box and don't feel like you're being left out. I, I try to encourage people to think outside the box. I hear you on that. Um <clears throat> One of the interesting things is that we're seeing a mass exodus of people or a potential mass exodus of people from the Bay Area. Um, they're thinking about it, 44 plus percent, uh, thinking about it. And then you, you start looking at the states that they're going to, and they, they almost don't want us. Um, <laughs> Seattle, L.A., um, a lot of people, you know, I, I saw people make the case for LA, Southern California living is better than Northern California living. Uh, when you compare beaches, when you compare cost of living, when you compare uh, some affordable housing, some affordable housing. And again, you know, I, I repeated that because it's all relative, right? They've got a different economy in the Bay Area. You've got incredibly smart nerds, but you have a nerd economy in the peninsula. Where in Southern California, you've got, you know, it, it's easy to get in tech. Um, everyone thinks like, oh, let's come up with a great idea and, and make billions. You know what's easy to get into? Media. There's so many jobs in media. There's so many jobs in media, especially now. If you take a look at Netflix and other people. So uh, there's always going to be this, where are people going to go to? And I don't, it's interesting because like Seattle's trying to figure out where to put people. So they've come up with a tech tax on big companies, uh, Cupertino, Mountain View. Uh, they're all coming up with like, how do we tax these big companies that are putting, bringing more and more people and making these super campuses. And that can change real estate values pretty quickly. So um, I have a friend who bought a home. Uh, on a lake and no one was allowed to use the lake except for people at docks and the city changed the rules and every weekend his house is now a vacation spot for people and they walk right across his yard onto the onto the lake so um anyway any thoughts on where we should migrate to (laughs) i'm ready to migrate oh there's a lot of people moving to sacramento is the number one destination for people from the bay area 
and let me just go back and I'm, I'm going to kind of ease people's mind here. There's actually more people moving into the Bay Area than are leaving right now. The Bay Area, the, California is has a net loss, but the Bay Area is the only city or metropolitan area that is not losing people uh, on a net basis. So uh, San Fr- uh, Sacramento is the number one destination. Then you have Seattle, Portland, Reno, Las Vegas, Phoenix, Denver, places like that. Um, there's not a lot of choices in the West, unfortunately. If you're in the East Coast, it's, you know, you believe the idea about, all up and down 95. You know, BART's going to extend out to Livermore at some point in time. They just turned that down. Did they turn it down? Mm-hmm. Do you believe that idea of try to find cities that might get yes. the BART? Because what, I, what I'm learning about L.A. and Seattle and everyone is they're saying tech companies, we're going to tax you. And then what we're going to do is put cheap housing near BART stations. I wouldn't go out and buy land. I would probably wait yeah. until it's developed. We, we have a pretty big problem here in the Bay Area as far as transit. I mean, look what Facebook's. They're going to buy that bridge. What bridge? Right by Dumbarton. And I think they're going to start shelling people over that bridge. I think that's kind of recent news. Okay, I haven't even heard of that one. Got to get my head out of my butt. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. (laughs) My head's in my butt. We'll talk real estate when we come back. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. You gotta give me love, baby. I'm Rob Black. I don't want you to read 600-page books on investing. I'd want you to listen to a band that you like. I don't want you becoming this obsessed person with financial issues. Do your best. You know, seriously, if you look at it in a funny way, and I just like to give you the easiest examples, but let's say you make $100,000 a year at age 20. Now you're saying, that's that's a big number. I wasn't making that. Just work with me, okay? So $100,000 a year at age 20. And let's say you're going to make $100,000 a year every single year for the next 40 years. That's $4 million, right? million dollars every 10 years. So your total palette of, of oil paint or whatever is, is it's, it's that if you can create 40 units or 4 million units, that's, that's your, what you're going to save. And then our, our, our world gets kind of cruel and says, Oh, you can't create any more paint. You can't create any more dollars. You can't, you can't. So, Unless you invested that money or bought something that has other value, that's what you got. So I see a lot of people make that mistake that they don't realize, like, I'm only going to have $4 million on my, to work with of, of what's coming in. How much of that do you save? Because every month, some of that $4 million goes out, right? Sometimes it's in a car that you regret. Sometimes it's in a trip that you regret. Sometimes you might have been a little too drunky-drunky and hit order, only to find out all sales were final. Oh. So one of the people I swear by is Warren Buffett. He has a net worth of over $84 billion, and he created it by investing. Now, his investing pays his income because he's really big into the idea that a stock should pay you income. You know, the, the story of Apple and the big cash machine that they were, and maybe they still are, is that they pay you income. So even though he only made $4 million in income, he found investments that could pay him more income. And then that income from that income could go out and make baby income. Now, the coolest thing about Berkshire Hathaway is that even though he's rich, he's incredibly accessible. And even though he's rich, 
he, he speaks kind of a common person's lifestyle. He's got frugal habits. He likes to go to McDonald's breakfast. He insists on using a flip phone. His home in Nebraska is worth 0.001% of his total wealth. And he never spends more than, like I said, $4 on breakfast. So he was picking stocks at the age of 11. So one of the things that he has that I like is he can make some mistakes. I met a couple last night where he goes, my 21-year-old son wants to get into Bitcoin. I'm like, let him. Go buy him $1,000 of Bitcoin and $1,000 of shares of Disney or $1,000 of a share of Apple or $1,000 of a share of the Wilster 5000 and give it to him and say, here's your $2,000 Christmas present. And let him learn a lesson on what Bitcoin is and isn't. And let him learn a lesson on what you know investing in shares of McDonald's is or isn't. You know, no one knows. It's it's electric currency that has no real value, other than it's electric currency. Which, for the record, most of this country could use that. Most of this world, you know, we shouldn't be walking across deserts with no security or no real money. You know, money is important. Digital money and access to digital money. Not going to go away. Should it be the dollar? Should it be Visa? Should it be PayPal? So Warren Buffett learned at a very early age, at age 10, he says, that his friends were obsessed with baseball and football and following the, the teams, the home teams. He was obsessed with Wall Street. He went to the city, New York City, the real city. San Francisco is the faux city. And his dad had dinner with someone from the NYSE, New York Stock Exchange. Buffett, you know, at age 10 was like he wanted to organize his life around money. He purchased multiple shares of Cities Services Preferred, which, again, what do they do? Nothing fun. Water, sewage. But it's something that you have to pay to get. When Buffett was a teen, he was already, you know, raking in about $175 a month more than his teachers. As a teenager, he was making more than his teenagers. That's kind of cool, right? One of the greatest things about the internet is it really, it, it is not, it doesn't level the playing field completely, but it's, it's a good start. Because I can share my message on how to invest, whether it be through radio or television or through the internet. So by the time he was 16 years old, Warren Buffett had $53,000 saved. He did paper deliveries. He did investing. He sold golf balls. He sold stamps. He buffed cars for a living. He turned a horse track into a lucrative playground uh, of investing. He was rejected from Harvard, worthy of note. Now he's one of the richest men in the world. He said he was rejected because he was emotionally too young. So he settled on Columbia University, which is darn fine school. Um, and one of his, his mentors was a guy who wrote the book called The Intelligent Investor, Benjamin Graham. Now, Buffett wanted to work for Benjamin Graham, but Graham rejected him. Do you know why? He was Jewish. Graham was saving a spot at his firm for someone Jewish. Since at the time, Jewish people had a tougher time landing work on Wall Street. So Buffett wouldn't take no for an answer. He continued pitching Graham his ideas, and he eventually Graham eventually hires him. So he was persistent. I like that. Do you understand what one of the biggest things I like in people? Persistence and loyalty. I like tenacity. So 
Buffett wasn't very good at public speaking, so guess what he did? He took a public speaking class, and now the world looks at him, and anytime he speaks, when he talks, we listen. So lives a very humble lifestyle to this day. He doesn't keep a computer on a desk. Do you think you need a computer to like get ahead? Do you think like it still could be done in my opinion? You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Do you remember the childhood nursery rhyme or I'm going to say rhyme, but I know it's not a nursery rhyme. Bobo's make your feet feel fine. Bobo's cost $1.99. And it was a way of teasing other kids at school that their mama put them in cheap shoes going to school. And when that happened and you had four older brothers, you felt the brunt of it and it hurt. So not quite a nursery rhyme, but kind of a, a nightmare, right? But why do I bring up Bobo's? Because when I was seven, eight, eight, nine years old, all I wanted was instead of a pair of Kmart shoes, I wanted a pair of Nikes or Adidas or Reebok or Boston gear, Boston apparel, right? Anyhow and anyway, that, that image is still in my head and that's why you own Nike. Do it! That was 30, 35, 40 years ago. And Nikes were, I'm not going to say God back then, but they, they had their title. And now you look at Nike and, you know, through all the years, you hear about, oh, Nike's in trouble because uh, Indonesian children are, are being misused and they have women in factories because you could intimidate women and children. You're like, yeah, so that's a good thing, right? As far as an investor goes, you're getting cheap labor. Now, as far as a human being goes, you got a moral issue to work with. But that's why I like Nike. And then you like you see like how many pairs of Nike Jordans are there? I'm not a Nike Jordan guy, but there's like 300 different pairs, and they all have different values based on how many of them made and in what sort of condition they're in. So should I should I say buy Nike? Is that irrational of me? Maybe, and I'll I'll, I'll work with that. There's a guy named Ron Mullenkamp who I like enormously as an investor. His last name is M U H L E N K A M P. And on his webpage, which is very, how shall we say, so 2000, um, on his website, he's published a lot of the articles that he's written in the 1960s and 1970s and 1980s. And some of it was on inflation. Some of it was on housing costs and where he's leaving advice to his daughter on ideas. He's one of the greatest investors of all time. He is like a Reggie Jackson. And no one knows his name because, well, we don't collect baseball cards of investors. But he has a lot of great writing. And I highly recommend you Google Ron Mullenkamp and, and, and pick it up. It'll take you five minutes at lunch today. While you're having noodles at your desk, check out a little Ron Mullenkamp. And see if there isn't one article that doesn't intrigue you. Financially educate yourself just a skosh. You ever see the movie Strictly Ballroom? It's an amazing film, in my opinion. There was a period of the, the 90s where the Australians, they're cheeky, Right. And the only way they can compete with Hollywood is to come up with cheekier movies than the last. So it could be about a girl's, you know, uh, bachelorette party and 
suddenly it has to be the chunky one who gets the guy and it has to be cheekier than the last and the pretty one of the bachelorette group falls in mud or something like that and gets her comeuppance and Hollywood can't do it because it's too stupid to believe good looking people always win. So Strictly Ballroom was a fantastic movie, but there was a line in it that always struck with me because I was beginning investing at that point in time and it's consuming more media. A life lived in fear is a life half lived. Now, I, I know that sounds cliche, and I know it sounds like something that you might find on a mug, and I have no mugs with sayings on them, and I don't like people who have mugs with sayings. But as an investor, you cannot think of it as gambling. As someone who wants your nest egg to grow, you can't look at it as gambling, and you can't look at it as like, what am I going to do for the next 72 hours? If you do, that's fine. You're a trader. You're not an investor. You're a speculator. You're not an investor. When the guy said, there, there be gold in them there hills. He didn't know. And if he was wrong, he just spent a lot of time trying to get it out. So you don't mess speculation with investing. Investing is serious. Investing is about getting your retirement. Now, here's the trick on investing. You can't have hard, fast rules to cover everything. That's the, th- that's the trick about individual stocks. A couple years ago, what was the worst company ever? That I, I like Twitter, like, when are they going to make money? Why is my Twitter feed always junked up? I can't seem to find anything that I want. And then you started to learn how to use Twitter. It really wasn't meant, in my opinion, to say, hey, Joe, you want to get lunch? That's called Instant Messenger. That's on your phone. That's called Facebook Messenger. It's on your phone. So people couldn't quite figure out Twitter. And you could have got it for $12 a, a share. And on this show, I said, no, you can't go for that. They're not earning money. You have to wait. And now it's at $40 a share. So you can't have hard, fast rules on everything. Twitter was a hell of a brand. And I could be man enough or woman enough. I could be person enough to say. I could be child enough to say. I was wrong. I had a hard, fastened rule. Let's wait till they're profitable. And instead of saying, Dorsey's kind of cool. Jack Dorsey's kind of cool. I saw him once um, on Chrissy Field. So walking, probably the cutest little dog in the world. And, and walking around like this. Oh, I'm such a billionaire who's so sad. I'm going to go take a walk on the beach and... All these cute people are going to see me, and maybe they'll want to feel bad for me. I'm Jack Dorsey. I'm a billionaire on a beach who's so sad. Did I mention that I'm a billionaire? So, yeah, I did see him. And I should have invested with him and and said, you know, you did come up with something great with Square. You did come up with something great with Twitter. It's a new form of communication. And and you know how I knew that? There was two. There was a couple times, like the Vegas shooting and the Osama bin Laden. And anytime there's a shooting now, I go straight to Twitter. If I've got that sick knowledge that I want to know, someone on Twitter is tweeting it, and it's being retweeted. And it's better than CNN, way better than CNN. Now, it may not be as reliable as CNN, because I think part of that Vegas shooting was, was tied towards an alien Elvis impersonator, but that's neither here nor there. I should have known. I should have said, you know, Rob, break a rule on occasion, because it's Jack Dorsey. He's the who walks all by himself on the beach with a cute little dog. And like Victoria's Secret models are following him <laughs> everywhere. I hate you, Jack Dorsey, you and your puppy. But with that being said, I probably had a dog with me walking on the beach and going, I'm, I've got a million. There's a great quote that I once talked about all the time. You take the top 10% and bottom 10%, give me the rest of the 80%. 
That's how investing should work. But most people try to hit that top 10% and they end up striking out moving to the bottom 10%. I'd rather go with capitalism each and every time. One of the most appalling things that I see people do uh, in the investment world is not do their homework. They hear about a company and they say, I'm going to invest in said company. Do you remember like um, in elementary school or high school, how far that got you? Where there was a test coming up and you're like, I'm not going to even study. I'm going to use someone else's homework. It never ends up well for you, especially the teachers are savvy, man. When they report, when they give out two or three different tests with two or three different questions with similar, but different answers, there's a late 19th century saying it was credited to traders in the stock market who were interested in doing business in China. If we can just lengthen the skirt of each Chinese person by one inch is the quote. If we could just lengthen the skirt of each Chinese person by one inch, we would sell millions and more dollars of cloth. That's how big the Chinese market is. And we're talking, this is 19th century quotes, right? If we could just back then think of how we can get people to buy one inch longer, a four inch skirt versus a five inch skirt. So that's how damn, how damn impressive China is. And that's why when you hear about Apple or you hear about anyone else, you know, Apple's focusing on India right now. Why? Because there's, you know, a lot of people there. Apple wants to focus more on China, but they've got a government that wants a lot of privacy issues to be ignored. So understand big concepts like the China one are always going to be true. This was a quote from over 100 years ago. That's a pretty good market you want to get into. Now, that doesn't say do what everyone else is doing. Because, for instance, back in the early 90s, there was a lot of companies that were solving China's economic problems with the growth of their, their cities, with, with traffic, with bicycles. I'm like, bicycles? Who would take a bike to work? And now you go to San Francisco, and it's like, it's, it's Shanghai, mini Shanghai. And it's, it's people on bikes. And it's a lot of pollution. And we used to say San Francisco is gorgeous and, and crystal clear. So anyway, some of these concepts do stick for a long period of time. I'm trying to give you that, that idea in this segment. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow. Twitter, robblackshow. Twitter, Jack Dorsey. I'm a billionaire. Look at me. And you can also find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Every year from now on for many, many, many more years, we're going to continue to see the rise and fall of people. We did it with Jared, the subway guy. We've done it with Papa John's, the pizza guy. We did it with Snuffleupagus from Sesame Street. He had a little bit of a drug problem with his nose. The rise and fall of people we create as heroes. It's going to continue to happen. It's a society that's very conscious now of catching people's mistakes on video or online or even setting them up. I have nothing but respect for what Sasha Baron Cohen does as a comedian or as a satirist. It does stink sometimes when you know that he's setting people up and giving themselves the rope to hang themselves, so to speak. But Papa John's is a good one. Again, a great lesson to your children. Like, be careful. The pizza chain Papa John's was forced to distance themselves from Papa John, and he's this... Suburban-looking dad-looking guy from Louisville, Kentucky. 
Wears a lot of red for the Louisville Red. Not terribly gray. He all has all his teeth. He's a good spokesperson until he says something to upset a group of people. Now, Papa John's, if you look into it, kind of got a sticky situation. They got stickier. He had offices that he was leasing from the company. They had to kick him out. They had to say, stop talking to the media, cease and desist. Papa John's first restaurant opened in 1985, and he hasn't made it easy on how to, pre- how to break up with a company. Using terms to discuss his resignation as, you know, it was extortion. Do you want to invest in that company, or do you want to say, I'm going to hold off and let things cool down? When you work in television news or in traffic, there's something called a hot spot. Oh, let's take a look at the hot spots. And uh, it's where there's an accident. There's a, you you got to wait for it to clear up before traffic moves through again. Same thing with investing. Am I saying Papa John's is a value? I'm not. I don't know the company at all. I can tell you that Domino's is killing it. And when you have an employee who was once a previous owner and there's now contracts on how you're going to behave, it's it's time to like hire a media company to help separate these two people. Papa John's from the company that is Papa John's. So Papa John's has a company value of more than $1.7 billion. Fourth largest pizza chain in the country behind Domino's Pizza and Little Caesars. Isn't that amazing, Little Caesars? There's a lot of Italian fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers. Right now you can feel the cemetery moving. (laughs) People rolling over in their grave. So not only has he been fired from the company, he also owns 30% of the company's stock. And to be criticized by the company that he owns so much in, can you imagine just the stress levels for all parties? In 2017, Papa John's, John Shatner, he complained about the NFL, and he hurt Papa John's sales by a lot of people, but ultimately by saying that the NFL failed to handle things properly, or maybe he should have got out in front. So NFL basically said, see you later. Hit the road, Jack. We'll take Pizza Hut as a a longtime sponsor. So now it's fascinating to look at because Mr. Shatner is trying to do this publicly. And we all know people who are like get into legal issues or into sticky situations. And the advice that you give a loved one when they're in a sticky situation is, is play it cool. My brother David's got a daughter who worked for um, a political group trying to get teenagers to vote. And the one thing you can never do is sign up someone to say that they're a voter when they're not a voter or if they're dead. So it's it's legal. And someone in her office did, and when they figured that out, police came in and basically said, you know, we're going to arrest all of you. If you, don't, if you don't tell me who it is, we're going to assume it's all of you. And it put pressure on kids to, like, rat their friends out and put pressure on people. And my brother David said to his daughter, he's like, stop answering your phone, go away. If you didn't do anything, just go quiet for 72 hours. That's pretty good advice. Because Papa John and John Shatner can't go quiet for 72 hours right now. And it's kind of crazy, the uproar that's going on right now. Whether it be Kentucky Fried Chicken. Um, Colonel Sanders once used a racial slur that John Shatner used. And I'm, I, I know I'm not surprising people. There's a difference in time. 
from when that happened. Does it make anything right? No, but you certainly don't defend yourself by saying, look, Colonel Sanders once said the word. Um, so I don't invest in areas like that. What are just too damn dramatic, too damn frustrating, too damn hot spot. Come back to it later. If you want to own pizza, own the company that doesn't have the drama, own Domino's. Because guess what? Cheap pepperoni pizza. A large pepperoni pizza probably costs a buck twenty-five to make, and they sell it to you for anywhere from ten bucks to twenty bucks. Uh oh, dirty little secret just got out. Pizza's cheap to make. Spicy meatball. That's like why there's one on every pizza parlor on every corner, right? I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show.